I'm Lisa Bontesumi, and this is the Ath Mindset podcast series on sports epreneur. This podcast series is a space for conversations with athletes, coaches, practitioners, and stakeholders in sports. And it's where those individuals share their perspectives, experiences, and thoughts on mental health in sports. Eric Kazimoff of Sports Epreneur is generously hosting the Ath Mindset podcast series on his platform as he deeply believes that these conversations are essential and deserve to be prioritized. This is the Ath Mindset podcast series on Sports Epreneur. Sports Epreneur, the content platform where sports, entrepreneurship, and mental health collide. If you are looking to start a podcast or create original content, you have to talk with the team at Sports Epreneur. I work with them and I vouch for them. It's that simple. Go to sportse.io to learn more. So I'm super excited today to have some very special guests on my podcast, the Ath Mindset Podcast here. This is something I've been waiting for for months. I want to introduce Raina Bonta and Mia Grillo. Ray is my beloved niece. I'm so excited to have her here. And Mia is her homie, her like best friend, like BFF, like ride or die. So I'm happy to have them both here. Let me tell you about a little bit about each of them and we'll get into some questions. So Raina Bonta is a 22-year-old senior at Yale University where she will graduate in a couple months with a BA in film and media studies with a focus on writing and directing stories about family and cultural history. She just finished her fourth and final season for the Yale women's soccer team, where she was a starter, 90-minute player, and earned the Yale Fritz Rodriguez Defensive Player of the Year Award for her contribution to the team as a center back. Awesome. Love it. That's Ray. Say hi, Ray. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited and super special to do this with my tita. Oh, I know. See, it's going to get emotional already. I can tell. Mia Grillo is a fifth-year senior at Yale University who recently played her last game as a center forward for Yale's women's soccer. Mia's hometown is Arinda. We got two California girls in here, Alameda, California with Raina and Arinda, California with Mia. And living in the Bay Area and her connection to it has shaped Mia's interest in both sustainability and technology. Mia has played soccer competitively since she was six years old and has enjoyed her four-season experience as a Division I athlete at Yale. So again, thanks, guys. I want people to know who I'm talking to as we go through this conversation. But Mia, say hello to everybody. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here with Raina. Yeah, I wish you guys could see them right now. They're so cute. I think, what are you guys eating right now? What are you munching on? Some gum, some gum. (laughs) (laughs) We can spit it out. (laughs) Oh, it's funny. I love it. No, be yourselves. That's what we want. So you guys are both collegiate student athletes. You're graduating. You've had a long career discovering yourselves, playing the sport you love at a highly rigorous institution. When you look back, and I'll start with Raina first, like what are some of your most memorable moments of your college soccer career on and off the field? Hmm, That is a big question. I think that some of the moments that I've most enjoyed on the team have been truly like very small moments. Like I really enjoy like waking up for training and and being together as a community early in the morning in the trenches, like when it's snowing outside before the rest of the world has woken up. And I think it takes like a true team to be able to do that and to like wake up in the morning and know that you're going to be there with 
a bunch of other people who are going through the same thing. And I really enjoyed like the environment that the team itself has cultivated. We've had kind of like a tumultuous experience with like different coaches and scandals and and whatnot. So I think that the one thing that's like really stood out to me throughout our five years at this point, because we both took a gap year, is really the members of the team, like the women that we share the field with. Mm. And yeah, off the field, I've really enjoyed the opportunity to be at Yale where they really pride themselves in providing a bunch of different avenues to explore your identity and who you are as a student, not only an athlete, as an artist, for me specifically. And I feel like I've really grown in my my five years and been able to cultivate other parts of myself besides being an athlete, which is very special and I think particular to Yale. Awesome. Thanks, Ray. Mia, how about you? Your most memorable moments of your college soccer career on and off the field? Yeah, I think like similar to, to what Raina has said, I think it was kind of an amazing thing to come in as a first year and have 30 immediate friendships, girls that are ride or die that will hang out with you, get lunch with you on the field, off the field, share a similar schedule to you. And I think that was a big thing for me coming across basically the US and being in a new place. And I think the most memorable part of that is then kind of slowly switching into this role of being the older player who now has to welcome in all of these first years and find the best way to connect with each individual new young female entering the team. And so I think kind of seeing that shift for myself has been very memorable, but also memorable in the sense of all the different friendships that it's allowed me to create on different levels, whether it be first year or fifth year, senior, feeling a little bit old, you're still (laughs) (laughs) playing a super important role on the team. Mm -hmm. No, Mia, I appreciate both of your answers. And as everyone's listening, neither of you said anything about winning or this particular game or this tournament or this goal that you made or defended against. It's about relationships, I'm hearing. It's the relationships that were tried and true because you guys are working hard for the same goal, for a common goal. Mm-hmm. And the bonding that occurs in that early morning or late night or two a day or whatever. It's like you have each other's back. And even through the tumultuous times, let's talk about that a little bit. How has your relationship with your coaches, and let's say it's just collegiately, shaped you as a player, your relationships with your coaches? And as a human, what did you learn about yourself with the coaches that you've had here at Yale? Raina can go first. I think it's hard because we've had three different coaching staff and head coaches throughout our four collegiate seasons, which is like super rare in college soccer and women's soccer, especially where coaches stay on for 10, 15 years as heads before they move on or retire. So I think we're a really unique team in that sense. And each coach, while they were our coach, like brought a different mentality and energy and vision for what our team could and should be. And I think with the coach that came in, that we came in with, I think what I really learned from him was like being able to be a self-starter and motivate yourself. He took like a very kind of hands-off approach to our team and I think lacked in the department of 
being present for us when we needed him at times. So I think as a first year where you're really searching for that support from someone who is your college soccer head coach, that was hard and something that really taught everyone on the team, including myself, like how to be your own motivation and find ways to do better every day. From our second coach, I think I learned how to deal with criticism well and learning how to take feedback and cultivate it and turn it into a positive contribution. And I think probably our healthiest relationship with our coach ended with our third coach, Sarah Martinez, who I think we all really enjoyed as a person. She had a lot of amazing qualities and is still the head coach of the women's soccer team. And I think she had a lot of work to do in terms of like rebuilding our foundation because a lot had been like lost in these transitions. So I think she really valued starting anew. And I think when that came during our senior season, it was a really awesome experience to be able to learn how to, even as your senior, you think you've kind of been through everything to start with no expectations at all and learn to build a team from brand new. Thank you for that. I mean, so many learning lessons, so many different styles, different humans who come with their own experiences to the team. I mean, I've had the honor of meeting your coach this year, Coach Martinez. She's hilarious. I was able to fly from California to New Haven to partake in both of yours last soccer game and all the ritual and tradition that goes with it and some very intimate shared moments. But I can just see how she brings a lightness and humor and fun to it while also you know, demanding a lot. So I can see the benefit of, of that type of coach. Mia, as you reflect on these types of coaches, you might have seen them differently or experienced them differently than Reina, but how would you... Like if you were to write up a magical list of all the characteristics that a positive or good coach would have, what would those characteristics be? Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think collegiate soccer is a whole new ball game when you're working with a lot smaller of a maturity gap between player and coach. So you start working with young adults as opposed to working with kids, of course. And so I think that that is something that is a lot different than any player position that I had held before. And so I think it's huge to be able to balance kind of respect for each other and also not have it be this kind of toxic validation seeking player coach relationship. It's more of somewhere in between kind of a friendship and like a teacher. There's, you feel like very approachable off the field, but also you're not friends in the sense that you still have as a coach, like some form of like respect held by your player where they want you to see them succeed. And so I think that is very important is like navigating that area of being a lot closer to your squad, but also seeing this turnover with girls is every year collegiate soccer is a new team. So Uh a coach has to focus on like the development of the whole team, but shouldn't get lost in individual relationships with players as well. That's super valuable. I think anyone listening who's an aspiring collegiate athlete, collegiate athlete or collegiate coach would get a lot out of that. I mean, I'm hearing boundaries, you know, like knowing your role, when to express the appropriate role and at what time. So I think that's really super valuable. Mia, tell me, I know when you go to college and you're a collegiate athlete, you can't just do or it's hard to imagine that you can do anything else, but I think it's so important to be able to do other things to develop 
yourself as a full human, knowing that your identity as an athlete is going to end soon, whether by your own choice or an injury or a situation. What other things are you interested in? And how are you able to express those other identities here in college? Yeah, I think through my four years, I kind of started off being put in to this kind of identity as a student athlete. And I love that identity. But throughout my four years, I've been able to kind of start to be able to put my feet in different spaces and include other interests and not have that be the defining thing about me at Yale. So that was definitely a journey for me. I have like a lot of interests outside of soccer. And now I'm starting to focus on those more as well, including as you mentioned, sustainability, technology, mental health. I'm a history of science and medicine major with a focus in technology, psychology, and mental health. And so I've felt like I've had a large role in in making space for the team to speak about mental health and kind of allowing that to be something that we can talk about as a team, which wasn't really the case in the past. And then outside of that, I, I also enjoy the arts and I've been involved in the Undergraduate Arts Society. And there is a lot of like balancing your schedule. But I think as we were talking about with having someone in a head coach position who kind of wants to see you grow as a player and not feel like your sport is prohibiting you from going and, and doing things that you love, I think that like to be the best athlete, you need to be able to have like other avenues to pursue yourself outside which is very important. So I feel like that's how it manifested for me. No, I think that's important. Am I hearing you correctly in that to express yourself in other identities and to have other interests and to be in those interests helps you be a better soccer player? Definitely. Can you say more about that? I think like if soccer is your only outlet and is your identity, then it kind of morphs the team into being one unit Whereas I think it's important to keep individuals adding different aspects to the team. And so I think when you're bringing like a different perspective and and different interests into the team dynamic, I think you're also like furthering your friendships with each individual player and also off the field and on the field, you're adding a lot to the team dynamic. I see. I see. So you're bringing your multidimensional self and humanity to the team and to those relationships. Awesome. Raina, how about you? What are some of the ways that you've expressed yourself or have developed other identities besides a student and an athlete? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm really lucky to be able to be here at Yale where there's so many different avenues for you to explore other passions for yourself besides being an athlete, which again, I think is really unique to this place. And it's a thing I've like seen with some of the people I've played like club soccer with that went on to play at like amazing top tier D1 schools is that it's so demanding to the point that you kind of have to have that be your singular identity. So I feel really lucky to go here and have an amazing D1 college career and explore other parts of myself. I sang for a group called Shades of Yale, which is Yale's only mission-based acapella group which sings music of the African diaspora and African-American tradition. And we do global tours. We went to South Africa when I was a sophomore. I had the privilege of going to California to my hometown in Alameda, this group that's so special to me, and to share our music and our mission. I also worked at the Yale Women's Center and expressed a love for social justice and feminism and equality across intersectional fronts. 
And I think most importantly, I've really fallen into the realm of art and film and photography at Yale, definitely in my method of study, but also in other extracurricular groups in, in terms of just passion outside of any formalized space, just like really digging into expressing myself through visual media. So I think those are all really awesome things that I agree with me. I like have contributed to me being able to get to the field and have other ways of expressing emotions outside of just this one space. I also think it was a hard thing to like learn to balance when we were younger of like finding intentional time to give to other parts of yourself when so much of yourself has to be devoted to your sport. So it has like really been a journey to like finally get to the point where I can say like it is a balanced identity now, but I don't always think that was the case and was like a really pivotal part of, I think, definitely my journey in like coming to this point. No, I think that humility about being able to express that I haven't always felt this way about my identities. I haven't always been here, that it's been a journey from, you know, for a young adult, you're still young adults, but like a teenager leaving home for the first time flying across country, learning a whole new way of being, way of like locating yourself on the map, a new way of like, what kind of food is this? Where do I shop? To like meeting all these new people from all over the world, really. So I think that's really important to say that who you are as a freshman is not going to be who you are when you graduate. So much happens in those four or five years, whatever your situation is, to grow as a human and to view things in a certain way. I think that's super important to point out. So I want to get a little kind of like lightweight on it a little bit. Like you guys go to Yale, like, are you able to have fun? Like, what's the biggest myth about like doing all the things that each of you just listed you do while traveling, while doing homework, the rigor? Like, do you guys have fun? Can you have fun? Like, (laughs) what do you guys do to have fun? Well, (laughs) (laughs) we celebrate. When we win, we celebrate. Yeah. Sometimes when we lose, we... We celebrate. We, we, celebrate <laughs> we celebrate a good effort. <laughs> I think some of my like best memories, honestly, like associated with the team are like celebrating like after a win and like showing up to whatever venue it is, whether it be like a frat party or like whoa, <laughs> which is this like dance club moment. Mm-hmm. Um, like as an entire unit, like 30 girls showing up to one place, like all ready to celebrate what we accomplished like in that evening prior in a game is like a super special feeling. Yeah. And you kind of like, when you infiltrate those social spaces after having success on the field, you feel almost like a superstar. You're walking into people <laughs> who have heard about the win, who've heard about a goal that you scored, whatever it is. And so it makes the night that much more fun to enjoy it with your teammates. Yeah. And other athletes as well. Like I'd mm-hmm. add like walking into a place like where like two teams like had a great game and like we all played Harvard that day and we all beat Harvard is like an unreal feeling of like knowing how their game went and them knowing about how our game went and like being able to share this experience like across different sports with like people who share like a really unique experience as student athletes here. Mm, That's a great point. I mean, I wanted people to hear that collegiate student athletes and collegiate student athletes that go to Yale are able to breathe, do have fun, go out and celebrate and aren't always in their head in the book. Yeah, that's, <laughs> <true>. <laughs> that's a huge myth, right guys? 
<laughs> Such a mess. It's all the mess. Yeah. You can have fun and be a Yale student. You can do it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's good because I mean, on the real tip, I, I want people to feel like, you know, that that's something they can strive for if that's what they want, that it's not within their ability. And that I think, you know, when I think about it again, it's the relationships that you make. Like, I know you guys are going to be connected for a long, long time and other players and that like, who knows what you're going to get into for the rest of your life, career-wise, relationship-wise, you'll probably be at each other's weddings. I mean, like, it's a sisterhood. It's a bond that like goes beyond the four years or five years for sure. So I love that. I know Mia, you mentioned mental health, which I appreciate. Like, what does mental health mean to you? And what are some of those conversations that you, Mia, have brought to the team around mental health? Yeah, I feel like the biggest thing is just opening a space for people to feel comfortable talking about mental health first. I think in previous generations, it's been kind of this thing that's been very much suppressed and our conversations behind closed doors and you need like some sort of validation from someone with some certificate that says that you have XYZ because you have XYZ symptoms. And so I think it's been more of a conversation about validating people's feelings within the team dynamic and not making them feel like they need to hide from that and that that's going to affect our view as them as a player at all, which was a huge thing, especially involving coaches in some of these conversations. Players start to feel like they can't say what they want to say because they think it's going to affect their playing time or it's going to affect how the coaches see them. But I think it's super important when coming into a training environment to be having those conversations with your coach and your teammate because they're not going to know what's wrong when you mess up a play and they might get on you for that. And that is like the last thing you need when you're having a hard day. So I think just like making a space to be open to talk about those feelings, even if it's on a day-to-day basis, on a weekly basis, you have a certain person that you check in with. Also like being older players, Rinna and I have had to like step into that role at times, knowing that people have been going through a hard time and kind of being able to point that out without making it accusatory at all, I think is a big thing. And I've always wanted to be someone that people can come to with things like that if they're not comfortable talking to coaches or with their teammates. So I think it's just mostly an openness. And then also just mental health is defined differently for everyone and everyone's going to go through it differently, it struggles differently. And so I think just validating people as they go through, especially with the pandemic, validating the feelings that they have and not making them feel like they need to suppress those feelings because they have these responsibilities as a student athlete. And those two things should never come into conflict. They should be able to kind of work together and, and better your mental health while being a student athlete. And it should never be that your position as a student athlete is affecting your mental health in a way that you don't feel comfortable sharing. I appreciate it. And I think it means a lot that you're a teammate versus a coach for the reasons that you shared, like being fearful or unsure, is this going to affect playing time or anything like that, that there shouldn't be a punishment for expressing yourself and your emotions. I mean, we talk about physical health, physical injury, physical recovery, physical you know, treatment, all of those things. So I think it's just as important to talk about mental health, mental recovery, 
mental health treatment, mental health prevention in the same way, right? Because when you're mentally sound or physically sound and vice versa. So I know those girls, the young ladies that you were able to interact with on your team, that means a lot, I'm sure. Raina, how do you see it? How do you define mental health, view it? Mm. Yeah, Mia, I think you actually brought up a really good point in like talking about your positionality on the team. Like, like when we're, we were seniors and I think we were in a unique position because we were super seniors in addition. Like we had spent four years on the team and then came back for our like fifth season, which was awarded to us after our first season before that was canceled from the pandemic. So I think we all came back with like a sort of like wisdom and like desire to like impart some of the lessons we had learned especially about mental health, like over our last four years with the team. And I think it was like a real responsibility that we all felt. And I can like remember like a specific instance of like our senior banquet as a team where like we're all as seniors asked to go up and like share a few words about your experience to the team and the coaching staff. And I remember like feeling it was like really necessary to talk about my mental health journey, which was honestly like rocky on the team at times. And making it known to other players that it's not always going to be blue sky and rainbows and there will be hard times. And like, just to hear it from someone that's like been through it, I think is a validating thing. And like I, my sophomore year, I think was going through a lot of mental health hurdles and stress and anxiety. And like, I remember going to a training one time where I like really was not feeling like myself. And I knew that. And my coach also recognized that and pulled me aside and said, if you act like this at training again, I'm just going to send you home and didn't ask me any questions about like how I was feeling or like what triggered those feelings for me, caused me to behave in not an ideal way in at practice. But I don't think that was my fault. And I don't think that was a really appropriate reaction from a coach. So that felt made me feel like pretty unsupported on the team, honestly. And like was one element that led me to actually take like a leave of absence from the team at the end of our sophomore season, which was a really hard decision for me to come to. And I think a strong one at the end of the day to like decide to prioritize my own mental health in order to become like a a well-rounded person. And I ended up being able to use that time to work on myself and ended up rejoining the team, not having missed any practices or games. But I think that was like a really healthy thing for me to do and felt unprecedented at the time to like be able to take a step away for the intention of healing yourself and maybe for coming back in the future if that's what you decide. So like I remember sharing that anecdote at our senior banquet and feeling like that was doing like a small part in like a wider puzzle to help younger players like piece together the importance of prioritizing mental health. I really appreciate it. And I'm kind of brought back because I remember us talking about that in real life, in real time when you were going through those moments and wondering what to do. And it feels like yesterday, I'm kind of emotional right now. So I have to clear my little voice here because that's my niece. You know, I don't ever want, you know, anyone to hurt her. So... And I think I'm crying for her. I'm crying for you, but all those other young ladies who were treated that way. You know, you're not the only one, which is sad. There's so many scandals, harassment cases, 
sexual abuse cases. There's so many going on. And it's like, it impacts the society. It impacts the deep soul of the individual. And so your story and the way you both view it is going to be inspiring to many because they're going to know that that they're not alone and that they can take a step to the side or back to take care of themselves and then come back better and stronger and healthier and more self-aware and then tell that story in a very vulnerable, open, courageous way to help people. So it means a lot, you know, both of you, how you've shared. And of course, Raina, as you share, you know, like being your tita, that's going to just touch a different part of my heart. So I appreciate your bravery and being able to just just be your authentic self, which is so appreciated and valued. Thanks, Tita. So I love you. You too. (laughs) As our last question in this vein, in the position that you have, let's say you were able to come back and welcome the freshman class and be able to speak to them in a small group. What would you want to impart on them, impart on their hearts, on them as humans? What would you want to share as they start this journey that you just completed, this very significant, special time in their lives, in their own development as young women? What would you want to impart on them? It's crazy to think talking to first year is what I would say, because there's just so much now that I guess I'm out of the storm and I'm starting to search for new passions and new avenues to kind of throw what I've thrown into soccer throughout my life. But I think the biggest thing is to just embrace the struggle, embrace the early mornings and the late nights that you're going to have doing homework because these are the last years that you will be playing this sport, the sport that you've been playing since you were probably very young and have devoted thousands of hours to since you were very young. And so I think you want to end it on a good note and know that you went out and put everything you had into the sport for your last four years. But also like, as we were talking about mental health, like knowing that it's not going to be a linear journey, that you may get the most playing time that you ever got your four years, your first year, and then you play a completely different role your sophomore year, your junior year. And it's more all about mindset and how you approach each training and each game and each party that you go out to with your team is really being present in the moment because looking back at how many times I didn't enjoy myself or I fighted a certain feeling, and I wish I could be back on the field that one time just for one more touch with the team things like that kind of hit hard when you're when you're leaving a sport and i think it's really hard to say goodbye but not being afraid of saying goodbye because i think that was something i had to come to terms with so getting the most out of your four years and working in the positions that you hold within the team would be my biggest recommendation to an incoming class i appreciate it thank you so much it's super valuable super valuable Raina and you Yeah, I think that it's like really easy to glorify being a student athlete. And it looks so fun from the outside to even people who were in it once before, because I think you look back on the past with really rose-tinted glasses. So maybe if you ask me this question in like five years, when I'm like truly out of it, I would say something different. But 
I think similar to Mia, like there's going to be really hard times. And like, I think we need to be like a little bit more upfront about like that it is going to be a big struggle, like physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually at so many different points. And that it is a rewarding experience for the most part. But I don't think that we should like gloss over the fact that it's really difficult at times. And I'll also add like about the notion of like being present. I think it's the only real way to like protect yourself against any feelings of guilt or what ifs is to like really just cherish like small moments, like walking to your locker on a game day and like seeing your jersey like hung up with your number and like seeing like your name called like on the speaker, like when you're coming out in the starting lineup, like those are things that won't ever happen again. And I think in college, it's really interesting also because your world is so small, like in club soccer and in high school, like you are belong to so many different communities, like within your sport. And then you go to a different high school or you like have just so many different like places to be, but the only place you ever have to be at school is at school. And like your athlete community is there and such a big part of you. And like you go to classes, like a mile away from the field. And it's like so nice to be able to just be present in a world that is so like confined and that you can like really cherish every moment of. Thank you so much. That's, you know, again, only out of the words of you ladies who lived through it can that come. The words that are lived experience that you can like bestow on those about to start the journey and then they'll have their own path. But to share what you've learned and hopes to inspire and also be very real about what to expect, I think is super important. I encourage everyone who's listening to make sure that you read all the show notes from today. You know, these are accomplished young ladies and have so much more to do in this world, in their communities. They have also so much more to grow, believe it or not. And like, you know, I'm so excited to see how you show up, how you serve, how you contribute, how you speak up, how you are activists in the things that you believe in. And I'm so excited to continue to watch your lives and see what is to come. And I just thank you from the bottom of my heart for both of you taking the time, sharing of your stories, sharing of your your thoughts with me and with anyone who's listening. You know, I know it's going to make a huge impact in different ways to different people as they take it in. And so I I can't thank you enough for your time, your hearts and your energy today. So thank you. Thank you for having us. One of my favorite things about our Sportsypreneur content platform is the opportunity to chat with amazing people in and around the world of sports. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you want to connect more, hit us up on Instagram at sportsypreneur. Thank you for listening to this CadSource production, the Sports Epreneur podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide. Sports Epreneur is a content platform, a collaborative team, and a marketing brand that is all about showcasing leaders and difference makers in and around the world of sports. While we create our own content, we also create content with you. This includes collaborative content and exclusive content for your brand. Think podcasts, blogs, social media, and overall content strategy. Our sports content marketing team is specifically niche for those in the sports industry. That includes sports businesses, athletes, managers, coaches, trainers, entrepreneurs, and business leaders in the sports market. The bottom line is we want to help with your sports-related brand, your content marketing, and your story. 
Connect with us on Instagram at sportsepreneur or find us online at sportsepreneur.com. Sportsepreneur, the content platform where sports and entrepreneurship collide.